Then in chapter 2, he started talking to them and talking to them about the destruction that was coming upon them as, as God's people. So when Amos showed up on the scene in the middle of their great holiday, he brought a message of God to them. And he said, up to this point, he had spoken to his people and he had provided guidance in many different forms. He had come to them and spoken to them through prophets and kings and he had led them. They were guided by a cloud in the sky. So he had done whatever they needed to be able to speak to his people. But Amos' message was different because he told them that there would be an end to them hearing from God. He said, it was recorded in Amos 8.11, and he said, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And as it always does, God's word came to pass. They had plenty of water. They had plenty of food. But the one thing that had made their nation great had been removed. Their teachers were removed, and God was silent to his people for 400 years. 400 years with no word from God. This means that there were generations of Israelites who had never heard a word from God like their descendants had become accustomed to. But then one night, the angel of God came to a young girl who was about to be married. The angel told Mary about the son she would bear. This virgin birth was prophesied in Isaiah 7:14. So there in that stable among all the animals, Mary gave birth to our Savior, and the silence of God ended as his voice rang out again through the cry of a baby. Just so you'll know, I'm a ball bag. I cry. I have never been able to read through this and practice it without crying over and over again. So Steve called me a ball bag after this one. And I did it this morning. It's okay. That's why, but this is why in um, looking back on Amos, understanding God had not spoken to his people for 400 years, that's why in John 1, 1 and 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among them. He was the word of God, the first word that had been spoken to them in 400 years. So I love what God did next. He didn't go to the kings of the world or the wealthy people to announce the birth of his king. He went out into the fields to tell the shepherds that the shepherd had come. It wasn't a birth announcement that we receive like in the mail now, and it wasn't by word of mouth. So God's announcement came in the stillness of night, in the darkest point of the day, where his glory would shine the brightest. He lit up the sky. as an angel appeared, announcing the birth of Jesus. The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of the great joy that will be for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
So, I, and this is one of those times I'm going to cry, I'll tell you. But I remember when Steve's grandmother was passing away from this earth and going into, she was transitioning from earth to heaven. And um, they had called the family in. We were all around her bed. And she was still talking to us, but she was describing what she was seeing. And it was so amazing. She said, look, look at all the angels. Aren't they beautiful? They're so beautiful. God had split the sky open for her and given her a glimpse of heaven. That's what he did to these shepherds on earth. He split the sky open and he gave the shepherds a view of, of heaven and said, He's come. You've been waiting for him all this time, and he's here now. He's come to you, just like we said he would. The shepherds left their sheep to seek out the Lamb of God. The shepherds were the only people to receive an announcement of the, of the coming of, of Christ. If you had a scale of popularity and social class, shepherds would not have been at the top of that. They would have been at the bottom. So they were considered to be kind of a lower class of people. What does that tell you? They were the only ones who received an announcement of God's of child coming to earth. What does that tell you about how he views people? The next were the Magi. We've been working on a little thing at our house, too. We've been working on not wiping our nose with our hand and wiping it on our pants legs. <laughs> April, I'm trying. I'm trying. So I'm modeling for Steve today Kleenexes. They always match. They don't, they're not brown, that brown stuff, camo, camouflage or whatever that he carries in his back pocket that doesn't match his outfit. That also bothers me, but we're not going to let that. As long as he's not using his hand and wiping on his pants, we're okay. So the next group that God led to his son were the wise men. Matthew 2, 1 and 2 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Let's talk about this group of people for a minute. The Magi were astrologers from the royal court of the king of Persia. These wise men noticed the star because they studied them. These wise men, as they're often called, were pagans. The God of the universe chose to reveal himself where the pagans were looking. This showed that he didn't come just for, his son didn't come just for the Jewish people. His son came for all people, all of them, anyone who would believe. And he did it in such a way, his star was so different from all the others that they knew it had to be about God. They knew it had to be about God coming to earth. They knew that it was about the Son of, of God. So another point to notice in, is that the star didn't lead them to Bethlehem. The star was in the sky and they just noticed it. They noticed it and expected to find a king where you would find a king in a palace. So they went to Jerusalem just to ask King Herod where the baby had been born. That's where you would expect to find a king would be in a palace. They had no idea he was in a cave. Next, the scripture says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Did you catch that? King Herod went to the chief priests and teachers of the law and asked them where Christ was to be born, and they quoted scripture, giving them him exactly the location. They knew where he was, and they knew why he had come. The religious leaders knew where the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings would be born, but they chose not to follow the Magi to see him. This is the Savior that they'd been waiting for for 400 years, and they took him for granted. The next generation of these same people were the ones that took his life. Matthew Henry says, there's a fine line today between taking him for granted and wanting him out of the way. Taking him for granted and then wanting him out of the way were the sins of the religious people. Scripture goes on to say, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. King Herod didn't go, and the religious leaders chose not to go either. These magi had traveled miles and miles. Some, some people think that they, they traveled from Arabia to, to see this king. And the religious people wouldn't go seven miles to see their king. They waited for him to come to them. The Magi continued on their journey anxious to see this king and when they found him, God's glory was so overwhelming that they were overjoyed and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they gave him the best that they had to offer on this earth. Gold, because he was a king. Frankincense, because he was a god. And myrrh, because he was a man and someday would die. Myrrh was used for embalming. Two totally different groups of people were the, were the ones that were given the message of Jesus' birth in two totally different ways. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every word in this Bible is there to teach us something. So let's look at that. Let's look at what he's told us today. 
and let's think about what we're supposed to get from that. So I've been in education, in the education world for 28 years, and um, I know that the greatest point of learning comes in reflection of where you are right now and the goal of where you want to be. So I want to spend the rest of this time this morning that we have together doing a little reflecting on some things we've read from God's Word about our Savior. It doesn't matter to God where you fall in this area of social class. He doesn't care if you're the poorest of the poor or the richest of the rich because in his eyes, we're all the same. Money doesn't matter to him. I will never forget when uh, Brother Jim was preaching one time that he was telling a joke, and he said, I've told this if, you've been in, if you go to Bible study with me, um, I've told this in there. He said that the, he said there was a man that was extremely wealthy, and he was a good Christian, but he was extremely wealthy, and he begged God, please, God, please, when I die, just let me take just one thing with me. Please, just let me take one. I'll make sure it just fits in one suitcase. One suitcase. If you'll just let me take that one suitcase from this life into the next. And he said, fine. God said, fine, go on. Do whatever you want to do. One suitcase, but that's it. So he gets to the Golden Gates. He walks in with this suitcase. It's really heavy. And when he gets in, he opens his suitcase, and he said, look what I brought with me. And it was bricks of gold. And the, the people in heaven said, you brought pavement? You brought pavement? I mean, you could bring anything from earth to heaven and you chose to bring pavement? That's what it's like in heaven. That's why he views the social classes that we, we're the ones that put that on people. It is not him. We're all the same in his eyes. I love the way that, um, that he revealed himself to these, different, to these two different groups, and he did it in a way that is exactly what they needed to know who he was. He, how has he revealed himself to you? So think about that for just a little bit. How has he revealed himself to you? I love the way that one of you described this, your experience with coming to know uh, Christ as your Savior. You told Steve about it, and he shared it with me. But one of you said that you had never been a churchgoer and you had just started coming to church and attending here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and that one Sunday, whenever Steve was preaching, that God was speaking to you and that you just broke out in a sweat. Your heart was racing. You just became extremely anxious. And, um, and, and you thought you were just going to pass out because the... The excitement and the anxiousness that was within you was so great. But then the peace and the calmness of God fell on you. like you had, And it was a peace you said like nothing you had ever experienced before. Like all the way through you from the inside out, this peace and calmness had come upon you. That's how you needed to be spoken to. And that's exactly what God provided to you. What about you? Has he spoken to you? You aren't here by accident today. And if you've never known him as your Savior, he is speaking to you. After God revealed himself to these people, they searched for him so they could see him and worship him. The angel told the shepherds he would be in a town of David, in the town of David in a stable, so they went to him. The magi were led to him by a star. God spoke to them, and then they searched for him. He spoke to them revealed himself, and they searched to find him. 
What about you? How do you search for your Savior so that you can worship him? He promised in Matthew 18, 20 that when two or more are gathered in his name, he will be with them. And in Hebrews 10, 25, he tells us not to give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. So as Steve said a couple of weeks ago, people now consider themselves to be regular churchgoers if they come to church one and a half times per month. That is not in line with what God says. He says, do not give up meeting together. We're meeting together to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one that has given us forgiveness of our sins and opened up the opportunity for us to go to heaven. No way that we could have ever gotten there without that. He's come to us. In a church, we have, we have a church with a membership of over 500 people. And we have around 300 on Sunday mornings. So if you're one of the 200 that aren't coming regularly, where are you? What's more important to you than meeting with the church of, of God? So um, I had a friend that I love dearly. And one time she told me, well, we're doing home church. We're watching TV. We're watching uh, a preacher on TV. And then we're talking about it. And we're uh, just communicating with each other. And we're having church. And we're doing a great job. And I said, that's really great. But you have six other days to do that. If you don't go to church like you're supposed to, you're modeling for your child that it's not that important. So make sure that's how you search for him. That's how you seek him out. That's how he speaks to you through the message of God. And it, it communicates with you. But it's all about coming together and worshiping him. That's the part I can't wait to see in heaven. I can't wait to see the time that we get to spend just at Jesus' feet and God's feet and, say, and singing praises to him and worshiping him like we try to do here on Sunday morning. I think this is going to be a pitiful excuse for what we're going to see when we go up there, don't you? I think it's going to be much more amazing. So the second thing is, do you spend time searching for him in his word? So John 6, 63 says, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. You find him in his word. It is his greatest way of speaking to you. Every word in his word is purposeful. Everyone serves a purpose. It teaches us and it helps our align, align our ways with his ways. If you had to measure the amount of time that you've spent this week reading God's word, what would it equate to? He also speaks to us through prayer. Our time to directly talk to him. Prayer helps us face and overcome things that we have to, to struggle with in this life. It takes our requests to him. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. King David wrote in Psalm 17:6, I call on you, my Lord, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. In Jeremiah 29 and 12, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. If you come and pray to me, I will listen to you. All throughout Scripture, it talks about how important prayer is. It was so important that Jesus modeled it for us. It's our communication with him one-on-one. -on -one. We speak to him we give him our cares. He gives back the answers that we're needing. So reflect for a moment on your prayer life. 
is there a time each and every day that you have, you've just given that time that this is dedicated to my time to speaking with my Father, following His lead, reading His Word, speaking to Him through prayer, worshiping Him weekly in church with other believers. These are the ways we search for our Savior and get to know Him as our Father. So where do you stand in this? Are you looking for Him? Or are you taking Him for granted? Just as the religious leaders did. Are you searching for Him? Or are you waiting for Him to come to you? I love the description John gives of our Savior in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. This is who Jesus is. He is the Word of God sent to us to reveal the mind of God. He is the light that shines in the darkness. He sheds light on the sins of man so that we can recognize him and ask him for forgiveness and accept the grace that he gives us freely. He is the overwhelming sense of peace in a world that's full of chaos. He is the joy in a world filled with turmoil he is hope for the hopeless. He's strength for the weak. He is the deliverer for those in any kind of bondage. He is mercy. He is your redeemer. He's your restoration. He's your wonderful counselor. He's the almighty God. He's the king of kings, the prince of peace. He is the Savior of your soul. So the question is, what do you need today? He's your answer. If you don't know Him as your personal Savior, you have a void. Every one of us born as sinners in this world, have a void in our heart, an openness, a hole that He's made to fill. And we try on this earth, we try to fill that with everything. We try to fill it with other people. We try to fill it with drugs sometimes or alcohol. We try to fill it with things of this world possessions, all these things trying to fill this hole because you can fill the void and it over, it's overwhelming to you. God put that there and it's, He is the only one that can fill it. You were made, you were made to worship God. I have a friend who is living with um, her brother and sister-in-law right now and they're really struggling in their marriage and it just happened 
that she's, um, she's, her husband lives in another state and she lives in Arkansas and works with me. And um, her husband's just been given a new opportunity to work here in Arkansas. And we've been, so I rode with, she rode with me to a meeting this week and we were talking about the things that's happening. And I said, um, and her, with her, her family and their marriage, and I said, I'm gonna be praying for you about that because we aren't anywhere that we're at right now by accident. Wherever you are, there's work for you to do there. And it's not about the work that we do and the things that we do for money. It's about the work that God has for you to do. And I think you're there today because you're supposed to help this couple with their marriage. And I said, so have you thought about just going to them and talking to them and about this and, 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 and talking to them about what they can do because you're there for a purpose? She sent me a text this morning after first service and she said, you know, I really thank you for praying for me because, um, and, I, and I think that you're right because my, she opened up to my husband last night and started talking to him and he was able to share some things with her that really helped her I think and I think we're going to be able to help them through their marriage and I said you're not here for any other reason but to lead others to Christ we think we're here to do our jobs the, the, the actual jobs we go to you're not you're given the talent and the skills that you have you might be doing God's work through a job that you're doing on this earth, but it's not about the job at all. It's about the things that God has for you to do for Him to bring glory and honor to Him. So God created Christmas because He brought Christ to this earth. Let me tell you, the only way that you're ever going to be complete is by the forgiveness and acceptance of Christ your King. He is the peace that you need. So it's, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about worshiping the greatest gift we've ever been given. And all you have to do is accept it. He brought you here today. He's given whatever words that I might have said. I think it's cool. We talk back at lunch on Sunday morning sometimes. On Sunday at lunch, we'll, we'll be talking about the things Steve said. One of the boys will hear something. I take notes, and I didn't even hear that. I'll hear something maybe they didn't hear. Because God speaks one word out someone's mouth. But when it goes in your heart, it goes exactly to what you're needing. Just like he saw out each one of the groups of people that he needed in a way that they knew he would be, they would be looking. It's individualized. All you have to do is accept it. So for those of you who know him, do you still come to him consistently to worship and be refueled by his spirit? For those who have never accepted him as your savior, you don't even know what you're missing. Don't spend another Christmas without understanding what it truly means. Don't spend another Christmas without accepting the gift God gave you. If there's been anything in this message today that's tugged at your heart or shined a light on an area that you need to change in your life, I want you to know that these altars are always open to you. 
This world is filled with cares and struggles and turmoil. It's because this is not where we belong. We belong in heaven. And all this will be gone. If you haven't accepted that gift, come today. Don't go another Christmas without it. I'm going to ask Steve if he'll just come and and close us with prayer. But I want you to take this back. Anything that spoke to you, I want you to think on it. Because God has a special message for you. He wants you. He has so much right here to give all of his people. And all we have to do is ask for it and do what he says. Thank you for letting me speak. Well, this morning as we close, I want to ask you to stand. And these altars are open. If you would like to come pray this morning, maybe situation that uh, you're burdened by that you would like to bring to the Lord this morning. Or maybe today God just spoke to your heart about taking Him for granted, taking His church for granted, taking the body of Christ for granted. And maybe this morning He would just have you come as a way of... uh, recommitting yourself and maybe your family to what really matters in this world but this morning I want to invite you to come as we close and pray together I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning again with Lynette I would say if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ you've never really uh, realized what Christmas is truly about and that's that we had a Savior that loved us enough to come for us and to pay a debt for our sin that we could never pay and this morning maybe like the shepherds he's appeared to you in a whole different light in a whole different way and it got your attention and you're not here by accident this morning you'd like to accept him God we just thank you today so much for your powerful presence this reminder we've been focusing on for the past few weeks is that God is with us that's what the name you gave your son Emmanuel That's what it means, God with us. God, we thank you for loving us enough to want to be with us and to be in relationship with us and to draw us and to reveal yourself to us and all of us. I don't think there's a single one of us here, even maybe some that may not have accepted you and surrendered their life to you. I I don't think any of us can deny that in some way, shape, form, or fashion that you've revealed yourself to us. You do it just like you did through the birth of your son, Jesus. You reveal yourself to all men, all creation. And God, we thank you today for 
that reminder. And I pray that you would forgive us if we've taken that for granted. We think about those religious leaders that were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting a king to come. They were expecting someone to come. But when he came, they just really kind of ignored it. I'm sure they were busy and had a lot of other important church things to do. God, forgive us if we take our Savior for granted. Forgive us if we take for granted the opportunity that we have to come together as the body of Christ. It's one of the most sacred things, one of the greatest freedoms and opportunities that we have is to come together and worship our Lord and Savior. We do the best that we can do, but it would be nothing compared to how it's going to be in heaven when we gather around the throne. God, forgive us when we get too busy and we take for granted and we neglect the things that are most important in our lives and in our families and in the church. But God, I pray specifically for the one that's here today that's never accepted you, never surrendered their life to you. They don't fully understand and realize what Christmas can and should mean to them. God, I pray that today, whether wherever they stand, wherever they sit, wherever they kneel today, that they would seek you, that they would search for you, that they would come to you and accept the Savior, accept the Messiah, and surrender their lives to you. And God, let you make them a new creation in Christ. God, today would be a day of victory in their lives, would be a day that they would accept this free gift that has been extended to them time and time and time again, but yet they've never received it and accepted it. And I pray today would be a day that that would happen. God, there's so much going on. We're so busy right now. I pray that we would never get so busy with celebrating a holiday that we would forget to celebrate you and who you are. Because that's truly what it's all about. I pray for those in our church that are facing struggles, that are going through illnesses, that are facing surgeries. God, this past week we've had multiple surgeries in our church family. We've had... We've had to bury a dear lady that we love so much. And God, it just keeps coming. And I pray for those families that are being impacted and being affected by these things even right now. I pray that you would uh, show them that you're at work and you're in control and that our hope, their hope, is in you regardless of what it is that they face this week pray for those that are facing surgery this week and you know exactly each and every situation pray that you would be with the doctors and all those who are overseeing those surgeries and procedures but God most of all I pray that you would do what only you can do and that you would be glorified in and through that God we love you so much We've been reminded of your great love for us today, and I pray that we'll continue to celebrate that as we leave this building and go out into the community and we go to work. 
that we would see that as an opportunity not to make money, but we would see it as an opportunity to represent you in this world that we live in. That's the church being the church in this world. And that's what we've been called to do. And I pray that we would have a desire to do that. And we would want to do that. And you would help us to do that because we need your help. God, we love you again so much. Thank you for your awesome love for us. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget Wednesday night meal, 6 o'clock. Next Sunday, 10 o'clock only. Christmas communion. I love you guys. Have a great week. It's not easy to let down your guard. That it might take a baby to open your heart and tenderly pull.